it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast, episode 221. We've got it down to the final two. We have our conference champions, champions, I can't speak, I've not even had anything to drink. Gentlemen, uh, joined by Paul Mitchell, Gordon McGuinness, Charles Patterson, all of whom were at the Golf Tavern last night at various points to watch the games in action, to have a bit of chat, a bit of food. There was some free whiskey distributed. There was much to be won, an evening of entertainment. But we've got our final two, and we're going to talk about the games. Nothing more to say than that. Paul? Yeah, I'd like to be known as Dante Hall, because like Dante, I didn't turn up for the actual event either. Um, at least so you that, turned up. At least I got there. Yeah, I got there in the end. So one up on Dante Hall, so uh, he can get it right up on for that. And... Uh, Obviously, I missed the event, but it was great to go around speaking to folk afterwards and just to hear the reactions of people who really, really enjoyed it. I guess we've got the same take as most people. The first game with Purdy being injured, that that was game over. I mean, I think I was the only one brave enough or stupid enough to go for San Francisco. And I think if you looked out, the game started, the Eagles started well. San Francisco got the equalising score. But it, it was over the second Purdy went out. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think perhaps one thing we should touch on is should you have three quarterbacks on your roster for playoff games? Yes, probably. Well, now with I mean, the new heads rules situation, I think it's... Uh, a conversation worth having. I think there should be allowances for such a relevant position. Um, I, I mean, I think probably yes, but also if we're acknowledging that that game was done the moment Purdy went down, then having another quarterback behind and worse than Josh Johnson wouldn't have made a <laughs> huge big difference. The, the, the takeaway that I have is that Everyone on Twitter was clamoring for like, oh, Kel Shannon now, like he's got to have plays called in that McCaffrey can throw passes and like outside of that one one pass he did. Christian McCaffrey's a running back. And I'm sure he's competent at throwing the ball and trick plays and stuff like that. In the NFC Championship game, do we honestly think that the 49ers had a chance to win the game if Christian McCaffrey drops back to pass 20 times in the game? Really? We saw him do it once and it didn't work out, did it? Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't even the, originally, apparently, the quarterback who was next in the death chart. Apparently it was Kyle Juszczyk. <laughs> I don't know where that line came from as well. So ha, Have like, you know, like a whole wildcat package that you're going to run or, you know, go full triple option or something like that. The idea that Christian McCaffrey was dropping back as a quarterback in Here, that game was insane. Here's an idea. Protect the first quarterback and don't let him get sacked. That and then you wouldn't have had that problem. I mean, I mean that that plays just bad luck though. Like it's one of those ones whereby the hand hits him. And... Yes, it, it, and it was. It was just it robbed us of a game. Like I genuinely feel, and the way it even panned out now, it's hard to tell because you don't know how much that the Eagles saw what was unfolding in front of them and just didn't feel the need to push it down the field that much how much the San Francisco... I feel like the Niners' defense kept them in it till, like, four minutes left of the second quarter. The 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 golf 
cheered on mass when Christian McCaffrey went in, and I think it's there it was a sympathy cheer more than anything else. Like, no, it wasn't. Not- it's because there were stacks of Niners in the crowd. <laughs> And there was one but, Eagles fan there. I think there was a lot of cheering still, nonetheless. And I think there was an element of sympathy because they were like, oh, well, they're going to get gubbed. It was nice they got the granny off. Um, and thank God we did, because a nil would have just made it that much worse, I think. Um, the, the problem with a game like that is, as a fan of the Niners, there's nothing you can even really take away from it and grow from other than let's not get down to QB3 and let's have a viable QB2. But you can't expect QB4 to be viable. Like, there's not many viable QB2s in the league, let alone anything else. Um, A lot of nonsense on social media as people got bored. Pictures, a couple of pictures I saw of people sharing that Jimmy Garoppolo was seen on the sidelines smiling. Like, you know, sports people remember your place. You must be miserable at all times. Stupid content trying to whip up a noise. I don't think Jimmy's also, also standing like, on the sideline grinning because of anything. It's just a nonsense. No, but like also he has done in San Francisco. So like the the idea that in that game he maybe felt a little le- a little less pain than the players who are on three four year deals with the 49ers makes sense. Like yeah. it's not it's not an affront to anything. I no. the interesting thing is going to be. Uh, what this does to the quarterback discussion. Because I said at the golf yesterday, Trey Lance should be the starter at the start of next season. It should be a competition. I think it would be a mistake to have a competition. Trey Lance starts. If he struggles and he's not good, okay, then you can try Purdy again. Let's let's not kid ourselves on and make Brock Purdy something that he hasn't been yet. Like He was serviceable. He was relatively productive. But it's not like... You know, if you heading into yesterday, there was a clear difference between him and the other three quarterbacks. Yes. Well, I think it was more than serviceable. I think he was excellent. Given he was given the situation e- he was put into, I thought yeah, he was e- excellent. excellent. I mean, you could argue that they, they were not tested. I thought he was excellent over the course of seven games and almost not flawless, but not far off it at times. Um, I mean, that the game against the Seahawks. Was close at half time. Now, yeah, the defense turned things around, and you can't you can't keep saying that the defense is the reason that we've won games. Bottom line is that they were one of the top offenses in the league for the last seven games, partly because of him. Now, I'm, this is not a time to discuss Trey Lance and all that kind of nonsense about what happens in the off season, but I think there has to be a a, a realism about the fact that the two NFC teams in that game yesterday got to that stage without really being tested over the course of the entire season. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. I can't think of a really difficult game that they've had to play against a really good team. I throw my one out there, I can, you know, if I'm wrong, but I think they've, well, the, they've reached the they've reached the big game without being tested. Yeah, the Saints beat them, which tells you okay, it was a different quarterback at quarterback for, for the Eagles, but the Saints beat them. And that's why I think they might have an Achilles heel somewhere. I think Gordon's point's right. If I'm Shanahan, I come out and say Lance is my starter, Purdy's my number two. I don't have a contest. I just call it as that. You're not going to put the seventh round draft pick in as your number one ahead of your your first round draft pick, you're just not going to do it. So I would end any speculation here and now and say that that's what I was doing. I'd meet with Brock Purdy first to tell him why. And if Brock Purdy's got half a brain, he would understand that fully, embrace it and get on. And you do away with any sort of phony 
challenge that, that might happen. If you see something in training camp, that's different. But you put it down as far as the writers are concerned. Yeah. What, I, what I thought was quite interesting, sorry, Gordon, was just no, no. Th- there was a great deal of chippiness in the, in the game. And I just think that the Eagles could have risen slightly above that. They didn't need to get involved. And that could have led to an ejection or two, which might have rumbled on to the Super Bowl. I think there comes a time where you've got to protect yourself as a team. And I don't think they did that. Yeah, I mean, the Niners were pissed. You know, the Trent Williams thing. He, he's He'll get a ban. I think he'll sit out the first game of next season. He'll get a big old fine. I think a few others will get fines for some of the antics late on. Clearly, frustration boils over. Frustration because it's not even like they did anything wrong and an event happened. It's not, not great to see. There was one hit on Hurts, I think, as well, that was... Um, unpleasant and I don't like to see it I don't condone it I don't want my team to play like that um, but yeah I, I actually thought there was the point where Trent Williams got involved where more Eagles could have got involved and you could see a few of them came off the bench and then had that moment of oh hang on a minute we've got something to play for still uh, Trent Williams doesn't so um, it did get chippy it did get a little bit but I even think the two defences some of the characters on both teams that's going to be an outcome you know that what's interesting for me is the Eagles defence didn't get really tested but the Eagles defence was aggressive and it was in their face um I thought the Eagles played a really good game like you know the, the Devonta Smith catch now, obviously, in hindsight, what the ball catch? moved. Well, indeed, what catch? The record book shows <laughs> it was. Um, brilliant play by him and the Eagles to get up and get on with that, knowing fine well, you know, gesture, I caught the ball, I caught the ball, um, and and get on and snap the ball. It's exactly what you need to do. Shanahan should have thrown the challenge flag. I understand why he went that early in the game, because actually, if it is a catch, then why don't you act a little bit like it wasn't and make the opposition burn a timeout? Um after that, it's all in spots and maybes, you know, because Purdy got injured right away. Uh, and that was the game plan out the window because um, Josh Johnson's <laughs> resume is lengthy. Um, well, if nothing else, Cameron, you can't blame the defeat on Kyle Shanahan cocking it up. No, that wasn't. A, this is the thing. I feel robbed. I feel robbed of the opportunity to be furiously wanting to burn someone's shirt. Like, uh, you know, I watched Dallas and uh, the furore of, you know, Zeke's shirt was in some bins, Dax was in others. Uh, at least if you've got someone you can channel your disappointment into. Uh, all that it kind of left was a kind of lackluster. Oh, well, that was a bit shit, wasn't it? Um, you can't really do much with it. I don't know that anybody did any. Did you guys as neutrals? Did, did you enjoy the game for the game? Was there anything in it? It was if it was a game in a normal uh, match day week, um, it would on the list of a dozen games probably come about ninth in the roundup. You so, wouldn't. I think it. if it was on red zone, you wouldn't see. A, you wouldn't have seen anything in the second half, other than we show every touchdown. Yeah, but then, that's it. I mean, the thing this is this is this is the danger of hyping things up about a championship weekend and divisional round weekends, the best weekend of the year. Bottom line is, a team's trying to get the Super Bowl and it blew the other team out. Gordon was the only one that suggested that it might actually happen when we all spoke up on the stage. We all thought it would be close, and I think it probably would have been a bit closer if perhaps they'd had a serviceable quarterback. It fact, if it had been, if it'd been the other way around and Jalen Hurts had got injured and Gardner Minshew had come in. 
I think they probably would have coped a bit better, the Eagles, frankly. Well, I mean, that's the difference between second string and mm. fourth string, though, and fifth string, so. actually. Time marches on, that's it. And then it moved on to the, the second game, which was a far better game. So that's just the way it is. And if you're San Francisco, you come by next year and you look for another way to lose. So join the join the club. If, if, you're, if you're San Francisco, I thought about this today. And if you are San Francisco, despite the fact that there's less certainty at quarterback, you probably feel better about being in that position again than the Bengals, who we're going to talk about next, who uh, Bengals have got a great roster. Um, they've, they're sorted at quarterback, they're sorted at receiver for the next couple of years. But the AFC is the AFC, the AFC North next season, based on the prospect that Deshaun Watson should be not absolutely garbage this year as he gets a full training camp and all that under his belt and um, gets a full season. The Ravens, you know, you hope are, they, they weren't a million miles away from the Bengals in the regular season this year. And that was with the starting quarterback missing six, seven games. And the Steelers are, we've talked about this. The Steelers, they just good, don't have good, losing good seasons. Franchise, good head coach. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Pickett was pretty good down the stretch. So they hit yeah. him having a step forward. That's, that's suddenly like, okay, there's a real threat that the Bengals are going to, have to go through a war of attrition just to get to the playoffs again. That's the difference between the AFC and the NFC just now. And it's because the AFC went on a run of getting all the good young quarterbacks. Which we probably where the NFC goes, but this is the start of that journey. Um, and this is the start of those things. Like you could maybe argue that uh, Justin Fields, if he works out good in Chicago, um, Trey Lance, and I think, you know, I know I've spoken about this and joked about this and you all rip into me for it, but like the 2024 Super Bowl thing, in my mind was always that Lance comes back and gets his season, gets the opportunity, hopefully doesn't get injured and we find out whether he is it or not. If he's not it, then it is Brock Purdy's opportunity to take over. Uh, and therefore, Brock Purdy's got time to develop. I think whatever happens next year, it is a... It's more of a quarterback developmental piece with great pieces around them with a view to making sure, getting that quarterback in a position to go for it all the following season um, is, I think, the best chance of success. That doesn't mean that next year's impossible. doesn't mean that this year was impossible. I just feel like that's a great opportunity. You look at the Niners uh, free agents that are coming up, there's some decent names on there, but there's nobody that you would sit down and go immediately, oh, that's a hard one to replace. Um, so we'll see what happens. The only thing we've got bugger all draft picks, but never mind, we'll worry about that later in the season. Um, for the Eagles, just a, though, sorry. Yeah, ju sorry, just the last line on Brock Purdy. What he's done is he's gone from being Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, to probably guaranteeing himself a career in the NFL, certainly for the next five, six years. Because if it doesn't work out in San Francisco, he's got a body of work that he can take somewhere else. And for a seventh-round draft pick, that's pretty impressive. So I think we say good on him for that. Do you think he would now already demand more draft capital than Garoppolo would? Uh, Garoppolo's no. out of contract. Isn't oh, forget, forget the fact he's out of contract, right? So imagine no. they've both got two years left on their contract. No. 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 Garoppolo still gets more. Yeah. yeah. Undoubtedly. Okay. Um, the Eagles. We need to talk about them because we've talked a lot about the Niners. Um, they the are Eagles. Very good. Mm. The end. Where's, where's the... 
the gap? Where's the weakness? This is the thing, and we talked about this. Is there a weakness? Their linebackers aren't amazing. It's an area they might. So as you think about when we talk about a Super Bowl preview next week, having to defend against Travis Kelsey and some of the running backs coming out of the backfield, that's somewhere where I think the Chiefs will probably think they can have a bit of success. But defensive line's good. Defensive backfield's good. Offensive line's good. Wide receivers are good. Run the ball well. I, I mean, they might be the most complete team in the NFL in the last decade, in a, in like a in a like single season vacuum. I think they're also extremely well coached, um, and I think they, they, yes, there there are some weaknesses, but I think they deserve to be where they are. I think they are the NFC's strongest chance of getting there. I think San Francisco with a first choice quarterback arguably would have matched them. But we won't know. Just got to wander on and see where we go from there. They've not really played a high powered team with a, a, a high end quarterback, though. This is the thing about the Eagles. I don't, I don't think we know enough about them in, in a crisis situation. Yeah, that's, I think, the big question going into the Super Bowl. And we'll talk about that in due course. But um, they- how much of that is because they've been so good? that they haven't really had to be in crisis situations. Quite, quite, quite a great deal. But the bottom line is if every team gets tested. Every team has to find its way when the chips are down. And I mean, even the great Patriots team of the last 20 years, you know, there were times that they were just blowing teams out of the water at various points. But every team that wins the Super Bowl has to go through a sticky patch, has to go through a sticky moment. And it's probably going to come in the Super Bowl. You can't see them blowing out the Chiefs unless somebody gets injured on 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 the on the Chiefs side of the ball. Um, I mean, if Mahomes isn't there, then it's a tif- different argument altogether. But that Chiefs team is resilient and has been in the you know in five championship games in a row. I I would be interested to see how the Eagles respond to adversity. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, indeed. Um, but you're right, hey, kudos to them. Kudos yeah. to them. The, if you look back, you know, there has been games that they gave up um, well, they'd 40 points. Against the Lions. Yeah. Like a 38-35 game. Uh, against the Cowboys, obviously, find they had Gardner Minshew in for that game, but they still gave up 40 points to the Cowboys, um, who weren't particularly great. So, you know, it's it's a valid point. It is a valid point. Um does that mean, though, that they're in good shape? I, I feel like they've not had many... I know that Ian would disagree with us because he was talking about the injuries to the offensive line. But outside of that, there's not been many major significant injuries, I don't think, to this Eagles team. Uh, they've now got two weeks to go get themselves together. And I feel like they are coming into the game uh, versus the Chiefs in a much better physical condition because even the game they've just played is going to have taken much less toll on them than uh, the game that the Chiefs had against the Bengals. So let's take that and move to the next game because we did get served up a bit of a tasty tie. Started off perhaps a little bit more one-sided as the Cincinnati Bengals forgot how to block um, and Joe Burrow spent a lot of time on his backside or ducking. Um, but second half, they seemed to make adjustments. Decent comeback. Obviously, the game went right down to the wire. And then at a bit of absolute Bob Agri to the end, just kind of shaft their own team. And there you go. 
We've seen this how many times before? The Chiefs managed to win it by driving down the field and kicking a field goal with two seconds left on the clock. Happens a lot, that. What, what, uh, what a missed opportunity, if you're Cincinnati. What a missed opportunity. You've got them where you, where you want them and you just don't close the deal. And, oh dear. The thing, I think you're, you're quite right, Gordon, about the fact that the AFC on paper is quite strong now going forward. You know, not just withstanding those two teams, but Buffalo, Jacksonville, the Chargers. And they've got some great teams that they're going to come up against over the next two or three years. And oh, you've just got to make the most of the opportunity when you get that in a situation that Mahomes was just not, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't great. And yeah, he was able to pull out when it mattered. He, he was not 100%. And that this is a transitional year for them after losing Tyree Hill and they've made it back to the Super Bowl. What does that say about Mahomes and Andy Reid? It's extraordinary. I mean, Mahomes had plays in that game that were just stupid. Like, some of the stuff he does is just different. <laughs> like, the, the, the angles he can take and the way he can contort his body and all that stuff. It's... I everyone's going to focus on and for good reason there's going to be talk about officiating there's going to be talk about the um, well-deserved penalty at the end but the story of this game for me was we we forgot about the Bengals offensive line being a problem because of one good week last week everyone was worried heading into the Bills game they're down three starting offensive linemen um how are they going to be able to hold up against the Bills? The Bills had lost Von Miller, so they didn't have him. They didn't really have a, anyone that could cause them serious problems. Bengals went into that game, three backup linemen, and Chris Jones just took over. Like, ruined that game for them. Um, but like the, the right side of that Bengals line, both backups, Hakeem Adenogy and Max Sharping, got worked the entire game. Um, and didn't really allow for much to happen. I, I thought Joe Burrow was really good throughout the game. Um, had two interceptions, but the first was a kind of weird miscommunication type of thing. The second was, um, I think, off of a kind of tip pass, and then he had one that was ruled out um, that was off a penalty. So I think Burrow was actually all right. But the offensive line was bad. But I think your point to, to Burrow and Mahomes is just exactly what you said. Mahomes just does incredible things with his body, the way he twists, the way he moves. And to me, that was the difference in the game. So a couple of things surprised me. 20 each with seven minutes to play. I would never have bet on it being decided by 23-20. Just no way you expected both teams to go to score more touchdowns. Um some dodgy officiating, um, and as somebody who's used to dodgy officiating in big games, I can I can see how I feel. Oh, um, oh God, yeah. here he goes again. Speaking from experience, um, I, I didn't think it was particularly egregious. What, what I was slightly irritated by was the referees seemed to let them play and then a couple of times decided to throw the flags. And you think, well, you've not called it previously you know you're you set the standard for players to play by let's talk about the the, the James Ossie one I mean I've, I've seen a lot I was watching pro football talk earlier on with a the boy from NBC and uh, Simsy's brother and they were doing my head in because they kept saying how unlucky he was and how they're rallying around him it wasn't just his fault 
this is the pinnacle of your sport. You know, you're playing to get into the biggest game going. If you want to be classed as a really good, solid player, you don't make mistakes like that at the end. So, you know, I, I think it was Sims that said, well, he was very, very close to the touchline. Exactly. It was very close to the touchline. So, you know, you've got to be squeaky clean. There was nothing. There was no reason to hit Mahomes at that point. I mean, if you were going to hit him, put him into Tuesday, you know, you don't just brush against him, but you had to do that inbounds. I think that was as dumb a football play as I've seen. Now, James Orsay, they, they've rallied around him. He's a nice guy. He's a great professional. I get all of that. But if, you, if you're talking about it in the sporting context, he made an absolute howler. It's not so, the only reason they're not going into the Super Bowl, but it was a bad error of judgment. I, I wish people would stop trying to cover for that. So I, I find it interesting, though, if you... So let's relay that hit and compare it to an interception. There are There's different levels of everything. There's an interception where you throw it straight into um, coverage where the guy can take it back and go for a touchdown. And there's interceptions where you throw it into traffic and kind of bounces about and stuff like that. I thought that penalty by Osai was both a complete the completely right call because it was a penalty, but it was also one of those ones whereby rather than it being malicious, he's just a step and a half too late. And in the heat of a game and all that stuff, that happens. It's not it's not really that different from a quarterback in the heat of the moment putting too much on a pass or not enough on a pass and it gets tipped up in the air and winds up getting picked off and all that stuff. So I, I did feel and do still feel pretty bad for him because it was the type of thing that it, it absolutely decided the game, but it, it wasn't like it was this horrendous, dirty hit or anything like that. He was just a little bit overzealous and a little bit late. He hurt himself on the play. Like, I, I know what you're saying. Like, I, I feel it was over excitement and just lack of awareness. Rather, I think it was desperation, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it was a pan it was a panic play as much as anything. I don't, I don't think it was dirty. And I I don't I don't know are people suggesting that. Um no, but I, I do think yeah, it was a lack of awareness at a critical time. He he blew it, right? And he cost his team. Um but you see the way that he threw himself into it. I think he thought, like, if he was just pushing him out of bounds, he's not going in with such steam because he, yeah, he threw himself into the bench. I think he thought he was making a play he needed to make. He didn't. That's just it was clearly out, like the like him going forward. Oh, but it was it was it was a it was powerful. Listen, but it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't a smash for a man that believes he could complete a pass for a yard in the NFL. No. I knows. feel like you might need to do some basic knows. reading of like the physics and kinetics and all that that goes along with Hang that. on, you're just beginning to sound like a certain football pundit. We can't talk about that. <laughs> We're not talking about how human bodies work and biomechanics here. Well, I mean, Cameron's <laughs> suggesting that Osai could have just entirely stopped there and, and the fact that he went in the sideline and all that was proof that... It happens. That's yeah, it. but you, tra- you you train you train these things. You you're trained. I don't think you things. do. I I, I I I disagree with you, Paul. I don't think they do train these things, and I don't think it's apt in the moment of of stress. I don't think that 
player, higher performance athletes, when they're tired, think straight. And I don't, it, you can't train for that moment. If you Mahomes, have to just trust the judgment of the player. If Mahomes is a step further back when he makes contact, hmm. it's fine. Yeah. It's fine margins here. Yeah, if the refs had thrown the flag in the Saints Vikings game, it's all about ifs. Nobody cares. I'm sorry, about the Saints. It's, I know they don't. Oh, but I do. I think. Ago. I think that. I genuinely think it's on the player. I think he's got to stop himself from doing that. You know it, the it, risks. You know so where it, you it are. Is, yeah, yeah I think you're right, but it, it I is. think it's a far more forgiving situation than missing a call of that ilk back in that day when you were still. Bumping on about it four years later. That I I can forgive the player for that. You can't forgive a referee for making a blatant mistake like that. Yeah. And then they changed the law, and then nobody was happy, so they changed it back. But I can I can understand why he did it. But you've got yeah. to be so aware of where you are, how you are, and just I mean, as I say, if he'd absolutely melted him, but he didn't. He just kind of gave him the nah. Give me a so, shot. And uh, that 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 I don't think that's fair at all. Because if he absolutely melted them, then we'd be talking about how it was a really dirty hit. Like there's a yeah, there's a balance. If, if, if he'd come, if he'd been coming in to hit the guy and with his intention to hit him, you know, from a few yards out and come across and hit him, but Mahomes had gone out of bounds. That's one thing. He was running alongside him. He, he must know where he is. Mahomes wasn't going anywhere. That's that's just the annoying thing for me. However, did it cost his team the game? Arguably, it cost them the field goal. Didn't cost them the game. The Bengals had other opportunities, and actually should have been flagged for a hold on the play anyway. No, um, so, no, it shouldn't yep. have. No, yep. this is not. Yep. This isn't in the rules. Which holds? It's not. Which so, holds? No, there were several. No, the, it's not. It's so in the rules. Uh, offensive linemen are allowed if there's a rip move by the defensive linemen. Offensive linemen are allowed. Uh, to hold inside, I don't think they call it holding, but hold the inside up until the point where they get turned. Once they start to get turned around in that rip move, they then can't continue to hold from the side, but they can on the inside like that. Now, there's offensive linemen all over Twitter today, and uh, referees in the rule books and all that stuff. It's not that. That's not. That's not what's supposed to be called a hold. Well, it it looked like a hold, but <laughs> what I'm, my my point is that it's not on him for losing the game. That was a dumb play, and I think it was dumb. And it obviously helped them make the field goal, but I think the Bengals had other opportunities in that game, so I don't think he should be held, um, you know, as, as the, the pure scapegoat for it. There was, I mean, if, if you've seen the footage, I can't remember the name of the Bengals player going down the tunnel, calling him for absolutely everything in the world and then having to apologise for it in the heat of the moment. Um, yeah, I get that and understand that as well. That is the point there for visual representation where the hands are first made contact. Um, and he has just like stepped onto the line. Like he's not deep into the, I, I genuinely think it's a side margin, a, a, a small margin that he has misjudged in the heat of the moment with the game on the line, tried to make a play, totally screwed it up, cost his team 15 yards. Yeah, the play wasn't there to be made as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. it's, it's a debatable one. I, I I don't get the outrage from the Bengals fans that it was a bad call. It was 100% the right call. Oh, yes. I did, yeah. Somebody had suggested that if you hit a star player like that, you're always going to get the flag. If you hit anybody, 
in that situation, you should always get the flag. Doesn't matter who it is. They're not protecting, you know, Mahomes in particular. It was just to me, it was an obvious call, and it had to be made. Um, and the thing that then came afterwards, I, I, I think the the Chiefs had a nice little bit of fun at the expense of several people in Cincinnati. And was it petty? Possibly, but it was funny, um, and they responded well. Yep. The the Bengals ultimately, from we did the whole, you know, they tried to kind of make themselves villains and all that stuff, and the popular meme that's been going around recently of the line and the graph and how much you f around correlates to how much you eventually find out. This was the game where the Bengals found out, and they're going to have to eat the fact that you know people are going to spend a bit of time making fun of them because they spoke very cockily. They called it. I saw Bengals fans on Twitter yesterday saying about how the the media had built up the Burrowhead thing and all that stuff. Mike Hilton is the defensive back for the Bengals who coined it. <laughs> so now, now that they lose the game, they're now going to go, oh, no, no, it was the media that the media actually built this whole thing up. Like the Bengals wanted that. And the Beng- and, and do you know what? Fair, fair, play. Play to, fair play to them because what's good for the NFL is I guarantee you that's a primetime game again next year because the teams don't like each other. And I think be- I, I think they'll be they'll possibly be in primetime as much as any team in the league because yep. they are box office now. They've got the, and that AFC North is box office, and they'll be playing the Bills, and they'll be playing the Jags. You know that's what we're going to see. We're going to see Burrow and Chase for the next ten years. And I think that's terrific for the game. It's great to have a bit of swagger, and you can back and they've backed it up. They've been to the Super Bowl and the championship game in the last two years. You have to say that they've backed it up. It's not quite yeah, go over the line. You just got to go back, what, three or four years? And if you'd suggested to an executive at NBC or ABC that you'd like the Bengals on Sunday night football or Monday night football, they would have laughed at you. They are box office, must-see TV. I think they're brilliant to watch. Um, I, You know, and wh- whichever team had come through that, I think we'd start as favourites for the Super Bowl. Speaking of favourites for the Super Bowl, we go into this game with a very tight um, spread. I think it's one and a half with the Eagles are the favourites. This is only the... Now, I'm going to potentially get this wrong, but I'm going to commit to it. This is only the 14th time since seeding began in 1975 that we've had the number one seed versus the number one seed. The last time that we had a number one versus a number one was the last time that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl when they beat the Patriots. So Philadelphia likes that number one seed. What did you all make of the Empire State Building lighting itself up in Philadelphia Eagles colours to celebrate the Eagles? Was it a prank? Championship, no? Yeah, but I, so I think the Empire State Building's done stuff like this before. They do it every like, year. They do it every year. And, and, and they change the colours to the Chiefs colours when the Chiefs won. Um, it's, it's a really interesting one. Um, there was a lot of furore. It was people went into the building and protested. <laughs> well, but if it had been, did anyone protest when it was the Chiefs? Would anyone have protested if it was the Rams? I am, no, no. Highly unlikely. This is a local petty squabble. This is an NFC local petty squabble. Well, and also because they knocked out the Giants last week. Yeah. 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 
Um, well, okay, well Jamie, I, Jamie laid his cards on the table when he was sitting up at the podium last night. He goes, God, I hate the Eagles. <laughs> and that's fine. But come on, suck it up. Deal with it. If they let no. them up for other teams before, deal with it. Yeah, so, so just because you've done something wrong once before and you do it wrong again doesn't make it right. Well, was it wrong before? That's the question. Yes, of course it was wrong before. New York's a sports town on its own. should be left alone. I mean, that that's just absolutely stupid and uh, but but and i take your point if it had been done before somebody from the giants the jets etc should have gone to them and say look can you cut that shit out because they would know at some point the ego i mean if dallas you know if dallas were in would they lit it up in in the dallas colors you know come on i mean that that's just uh, i mean the dallas the dallas colors which would look so different from the giants colors well they would obviously have to put a star on it or something to make it look different um the the giants can't really complain they don't even play in new york state they play in new jersey come on like come on lads the point the reason in the empire state building account tweeting it out is to get attention and (laughs) give them attention for it that was the point it yeah, to be fair, that's the well, goal. to be fair, Gordon, it's a I've city been that in New York. tourism exactly because people from all over the world go to New York. I never noticed it when I was there. I wish somebody had told me it was I there. Mean, I just how, I must have walked right past it. There you I go. never knew but it was now, there. But now you're going to go to New York next time and you're going to go, wait a minute, what was that building that decorated <laughs> Eagles colors? I need to go and check this out. It's advertising genius. It's oh, a miracle, is what it it's is. It's more baggery, that's what it is. It's um, it, it made me laugh. Someone that I saw, I work with folk that are based in New York, and someone pointed out to me an interesting point, that you can go to New York and you can find the Red Sox bar. Like, there's a Red Sox bar in New York. You can't go to Boston and find a Yankees bar. It's just not the way it goes. New York is massive. There's a lot of people coming in. If you want to find it, you'll find it. You don't necessarily get that in other cities. It is a unique place, um, and it's it's trying to welcome people. But I just thought it was very funny. Some great content on the back of these things. Um, the one okay. thing we haven't talked about, Cameron, just before we we wrap it up, is is what do we think of the magical fifth down scenario? Is does this happen to a team once a game now, or do you get to nominate again? It, or? Again. What, what was wrong with that? The, the, so the reason why they had to do it was because... Uh, they screwed they, up. They, they messed up. You can clearly see there's two parts of that that I think are insane. They shouldn't have screwed that up in a championship game. They, oh, shouldn't, should, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have screwed it up. However, however, when you make a mistake, I would rather they got it right in the end, which is what they did. The guys, you can clearly see from the replay, one of the officials is coming running in, and the other official behind right after the snap, has his hand up to, to blow his whistle. Like, it's just people on Twitter, anytime there's a game that's close and any it's contest, the point of Twitter. The point Come is just on. every... And then, it's and then an echo chamber. There's no what, rational judgment exactly. in there. <laughs> that's, what led us, that's what led us to when the, the late flag happened. Everyone's like, oh my God, Cincinnati, I can't believe this is happening to you. Like, they got the calls right. Oh, no, it's which, funnier. Which, which was the whole point of me raising it, and that was that they got it right. And I'd rather they get it right, yeah. in, you know, and sort out the, you know, the officiating error than not. So, again, I think it's being overplayed. Um, yes. Cameron's, Cameron's stretching himself as if he's been hit. And just that Brock Purdy injury, I can see him stretching, oh, stretching the arm. You okay? Yeah, it's, it's just I'm sitting funny on this seat. Um, 
Oh, God, I need to click something in my back. Anyway, this isn't good podcast content. Um, (laughs) I think we need to finish off this one, though, with a little nod to last night. Um, We did have our championship event at the Golf Tavern. We've done it every single year. The it was a bit last minute. Obviously, plans got scrapped five days before they were due to take place. We had to decide what we we're going to do. We were able to organize it that we put on some kind of event on the night. We had microphone issues and all sorts. Um, that it was made great it a, track, but it was, <laughs> it was you know, what? it was it was great to get the people interacting. The place was full by the end of the night as well. It was buzzing, but buzzing when I left. I mean, you left about an hour and a half before, but um, it was, ah, that was great. Um, The Pit King was in town. He was crowned first ever coronation in a pub for for the podcast. So there's a new breaking ground there. I I really felt for Brian Dando, who's won it twice, um, but has never once had a crown and he was there and he didn't get one. (laughs) Oh, he got a bottle of whiskey. He was fine. Yeah, he got a bottle. He did well in the raffle. Um, Listen, it was great. I think it was good. I think it shows that there's lots of people who care about um, the podcast and people who care about the sport. And that's the most important thing. And um, uh, the next time that there is an event like that, then hopefully things will pan out a little bit more smoother than they were this time but yes. it's just a shame that they didn't see two good games yes. I, I also I liked that it was a smaller crowd this time uh, interactive it, yeah it was nice it was yeah. and and you know what as well like it's now been a good few years of doing this not not just that event but other events and the podcast and stuff like that and it's nice like that there's a little community there um, like Johnny Bailey and me will wind each other up on social media and stuff like that. It's always nice to see him. Scotty Gibb, now I think, is actually getting involved in that because he's a Bengals fan and they're somewhat relevant. Lauren Callahan for the Cowboys, Brian Dando for the 49ers. It's nice that we've got these people that come out all the time and you can just have a chat about football. And, and the other thing I'm going to say, the food at the Golf Tavern is brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. No, I agree. Kenny Law comes out every time. Um, it gives... Charles, some Packers backup. Chris Hebden's been there for most of our events. I, you know, there's loads of people that have come along regularly, and we thank you guys and everyone else that comes along too. Um, it's you. Ultimately, we do this because a few people listen in and interact, and please keep doing it because as long as you keep interacting, we'll keep having a Scottish slant on America's great game. Um, one thing that we will do as well is we'll thank the Bonnie Sauce Company for their sponsorship of the Pick King or Queen competition. So um, Graham, who won, is going to get some sauces still to come. He gets to pick his jersey, so he's going to need to let us know who he wants. Bill's fan, so I think he's got a Josh Allen one already. No, so he's got a Stefan to... Diggs one, he says. So I think he ah, might be looking for a blue Josh Allen one. Uh, fine, fine. I'll get that and uh, I'll put it in my basket just in them. case. Um, the other one is we need to thank Locke Lomond. Um, and has, it, has anyone heard from Tony, by the way? Or I is have. He, is he still like in a CD? Philadelphia bar celebrating. I sent, I sent him a message telling him that he was probably going to be insufferable and he was nothing but kind. I think he was delighted but sympathetic to the way it played out. Um, he wouldn't have cared. I'm sure I wouldn't have cared if I was at the game and it was a blowout. Um, but, you know, obviously d- delighted. He was lucky that it was over there. So, Tony, to the great people at Loch Lomond who managed to get the bottles to my house in time so that we could bring them along, give some away. Um, still bottles to be bought as well. Listen, go and 
uh, get onto the Loch Lomond website and buy yourself a bottle of Stramash Limited Edition Whiskey. Have something special for the Super Bowl this year. Get yourself a bottle. It'll be there in plenty of time. Sit down, crack into it, and enjoy it, because that's what we'll be doing. We'll be sitting, having a wee nip to toast the season, to see it out with a 1v's1, something to look forward to. One other thing as well is there's the opportunity to maybe win a couple of bottles. We're going to give away three on the next episode that we're recording later this week. We are doing our Team of the Year podcast you heard us do team of the week through the season we're going to do team of the year keep your eyes on social media because we're going to be asking you for your thoughts and we're going to ask you to vote for your quarterback your offensive line your wide receiver your running back your tight end who is it that you want to get nominated into team of the year we'll pick ours collectively then what we're going to do is pick from the people that listen to this podcast and vote the player that gets the most votes it's our own little Pro Bowl. We'll need to come up with a Scottish name for that. Um, challenge set, gentlemen. But oh, um, yeah, we do. <laughs> we're going to record that later in the week. So something to land. Get, them, get, the, get the marketing people on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the deep dive on tight ends and just see who's been the best performer one this year. I'll just leave that to me, guys. Don't worry about that. Right. I think that's it for episode. Two, two, one. Unless oh. there's any other news. Is anyone? Oh, it looks like D'Amico Ryans is going to be the new head coach of the Texans, if the rumours are to be believed. I'm not surprised he's been given a job. Kellen, Kellen Moore's gone to the Chargers. Kellen Moore has gone he to the Chargers. Un- he might unlock the uh, the enigma of Justin Herbert. And um, the Cardinals are interviewing everybody that's not in a job or are in a job. So... Listen, that's gonna that's gonna chunter all right the way through the season. But it'd be interesting to see if uh, your man, Mister Amaruno, gets a job off the back really, of that. It really wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals go with either of the two Bengals coordinators. And just just to finish off, I do like, and I don't know if you've seen the NFL memes that stated the Eagles faced a 49ers team which didn't have a quarterback on their roster capable of throwing a pass. This marks the second time that this has happened since they played the Jets. (laughs) 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 Which I like. Sorry, Jets fans. I just found that funny. Uh, I have to admit, coming back to that um, Empire State Building story, I did wonder whether that they'd just had those jets lights up for so long and never had the chance to use them. They were like, oh, sod it. The Eagles are close enough. Let's whap them on. Whap on the jets lights and celebrate. Right. That's it. Episode 221. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, do look out for that voting form. Chance to win some bottles of whiskey coming up. And we want your opinions. It's going to be fun, but for now, for the shorter podcast, we'll be back later in the week. My thanks to Charles, to Gordon, and to Cameron. We'll be back later in the week. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. (laughs) 